Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by three very special guests. First off, a marathon man, always running, ears to the streets, Clemente Alamanza of the Norman Transcript. Clemente, how are you doing? Your first time on the Thunder Buddies. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited, man. Really, uh, really excited to, to uh, play a game I haven't played since high school under completely different uh, circumstances. Absolutely. Not spin the bottle, though. Another, <laughs> another marathon man, only this time in podcasting. He's posting every single day, Rylan Styles. What's going on? What's going on? Happy to be here. This is the only marathon I can run, so let's do it. One last one. I'm staying in the theme of marathon. He's watched every movie in the history of cinema. Derek Parker, and he's ranked them all, and he's here to say. Best for last, baby. Yep, I'm I'm here to uh, give my takes, movies, sports, whatever you want. I'm I'm here for you. I've seen it all, done it all. I, I can't wait for every single <laughs> one of these questions to be related to the Muppet caper. But <laughs> we'll we'll see here. Uh, but I invited these guys on um, four people, including myself, who cover the Thunder, uh, do some podcasting, do some writing, and just some friends of mine in the Thunder media room. And the assignment I gave them was. As Clemente mentioned, a, a game from high school and middle school. Would you rather, going into the 23-24 season for the Thunder, would you rather have this happen or this happen? Derek, would you like to start us off with the first would you rather? Yeah, I can kick us off. Um, I'll start with my favorite. I'm going to say bigger impact. Would you rather, this upcoming season, Poku or Jay Will shoot 40% from beyond the arc? So anyone want to start us out here? This is this is interesting. I think I ran out of Jable just because of the fact he's under team control for a lot longer than Poku. And if Jable can carve out a 40% three-point shooting season this year, then obviously he has the chops to be a really good uh, outside threat. Um, Poku, on the other hand, he's entering the last year of his rookie deal. Um, I'm looking at this more as a cost control type of decision so i think i'll go with jay will rylan how do you feel yeah we saw jay will technically shoot 40 percent last year and we kind of saw the impact it had not to discredit the impact that it had but if poku can shoot 40 percent over the extenuation of the season then you you get this entirely different player that allows you to do so many different things you can play him with chet holmgren and just be this lengthy thin towers type of team but then you can also play him off the bench and sustain your style of play without a, a as significant of a drop-off as changing your identity and changing what you do as it would be, say, relying on someone else as the backup center. So it allows you to kind of free flow into your depth and into your rotation if he can mimic that that rim protection on the help side and that floor spacing on offense. And we know that he can be a connective passer now after last year. So him shooting 40%, uh, I, I think, would be massive for this specific team. I'm not going to go into any analytics here, any detail. Poku's more fun. I'm I'm choosing that just all, full stop. That is that is what I want to see. Derek, what what did you have in mind? What were you hoping for whenever you had this question? Um, honestly, I felt like it was pretty 50-50. I was curious to hear answers, and I feel like it was. I would probably lean. I totally get where Clemente is coming from because you don't want to see him jump up a huge percentage in a contract year and then his contract double. Yeah. Um, but I would probably lean Poku for the reasons that Ryland said. It lets you keep consistency, be it next to Chet or if Chet's on the bench. I would lean Poku again, more fun, but totally get where, where Clemente is coming from. 
Floor spacing and rim protection. Clemente, let's let's hear you uncork your first would you rather. Oh, boy. I think this is a good litmus test in terms of just how much you guys really care about this. But would you rather see OKC be in the in-season tournament finals or be guaranteed a top four seed? Raylan, how you feeling? Now, this is an unfair question because I, for one, care a lot about the NCAA oh. tournament. <laughs> and, and I think that it would be amazing for this team to win the first ever in-season tournament because of the fact that the first team to win a tournament, the in-season tournament, is going to set the tone for what this means and is going to uh, set its identity of if people care or don't care. And this Leonard team, with their social media presence, would care about winning it, would talk about winning it, wouldn't back down or be ashamed of winning it. And so that would set the, the culture around this tournament as a really cool idea. Uh, and, and selfishly, I want to go to Vegas and cover it. So that's also a feather in the cap. And, and I think that the reason I would take the guaranteed win, which is the fact that you can say you won the first ever one in case this does become a, a massive thing, but also because, okay, that, that takes some of the excitement out of the season of like knowing they're going to be top four seed, but also top four seed doesn't really guarantee anything. And it doesn't even guarantee a playoff victory, especially with how tight the West is. You could get matched up with a five seed uh, or even a six seed that is, that is better than you on paper. And you got to scrap and claw and fight just like the Kings last year had a phenomenal season. They ended up being the three seed and they played the freaking golden state warriors in the first round and had a game seven battle to show for it. So for the first ever postseason test of this thunder team uh, for the majority of its players and especially its head coach, uh, I don't particularly care about the seeding aspect of it, but it'd be really cool to be in Vegas uh, covering that event and having them in the finals and hopefully, of course, winning uh, the first ever in-season cup. So that's probably the wrong tick to have, but I'm sticking by it. Derek, how do you feel? Are you also an in-season tournament believer in Stan? Um, I am a believer, and I was I was leaning towards the top four seed until Ryland mentioned Vegas. I think seeing Vegas Ryland alone might sway me in that direction. Um, I, I lean top four seed. From like a realistic perspective, would it be awesome to see them go to the finals in that or even win the in-season tournament? Yes. But from like a long-term standpoint, kicking their like the first true year of their rebuild off, first year with Chet Holmgren, Mitchich, Casey Wallace is on board now, being a top four seed in their essential first season of like really pressing the go button would be monumental towards future momentum. So I'll, I'll pick that. Yeah. And then yeah, just thanks. go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, but Vegas. I mean, you can't just credit <laughs> going to Vegas. And, and then the, the scale tips back. Vegas, Ryland. Oh, that, that's a tough one. Can I throw this at, at you? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So does that win actually mean anything? In this no. context, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my word on this podcast. This is an Oklahoma exclusive, Thunder Buddies exclusive. If we go to Vegas to cover this event, you have free reign to document and publish anything that I do. So nothing <laughs> I personally do is going to stay in Vegas. So there is more incentive uh, for you to pick the in-season tournament. That's hard to go against. That is very interesting. But for the sake of uh, the entertainment value, I'm going to go opposite way. I'm going to say top four seed. If you're a top four seed, you're, the entire West is stacked, as we've all talked about, Ignazium, and you're only behind three other teams. Even if you lose in the first round, getting home court advantage with this core and this team being this young, I think would be incredibly impressive. Well, Rylan, what, what do you have for us? So I agree with you and Derek and Clemente, I assume, had the same opinion of this. The playoffs would be much more important for development. In-season tournament, much more fun. I'm a fun guy like Kawhi, so... I'm circling back for mine with DP on three-point percentage. Would you rather have Josh Giddy or Lou Dort 
shoot 37% or better from three-point land this season. Clemente, how do you feel? I see you nodding your head here. Back and forth, you're trying to decide. Yeah, I I think I would probably lean towards Josh Giddy, probably from the same line of thinking I had with my J-Will answer where Josh Giddy, um, his future probably matters more to OKC, and if he can develop into a respectable three-point shooter, that's just going to unlock a whole new level for his game. So right now, just off of off of my mind, like fresh off of my mind, I think I'll go with Giddy on this one. If Giddy shoots like 37% from three, he's bigger and better LaMelo ball in my eyes. Gotta be. Derek, What? how do you feel? Do you Are you team Dort or are we all quote-unquote Dort haters here by going with Josh? So are we under the impression that it would be per their threes attempted last year? Because Giddy's only taking three per game. Dort's taking like five and a half. Now you're thinking, Derek. Ma- now you're mathematically, thinking. you're getting more points out of the Dort deal. Does it raise Giddy's ceiling? Sure. 100%. Minutely, maybe, though, because what he shoot, like 34% or something like that? Mm-hmm. Not a ton more points. Oh, that's tough, though, because, I mean, Giddy, like Clemente said, is still more a part of the future, probably a, a better long-term Buy. I'll, I'll go Dort though. Purely off math. Hashtag math. Hashtag math. Definitely. But yeah, Josh, I think that's the one weakness in this game offensively that you really look at, and it's like that needs to improve. And if he can do that and space the floor, that could get very scary with Shea and Jadeb driving. But great question for Mario in there. I'll I'll have mine. My first one. Would you rather have Shea make first team All NBA again and be a top five in MVP voting, just like last season? Or Shea is second team all NBA and not in the top 10 of MVP voting, but one of J-Dub, Giddy, or Chet is now an all-star next season. So you have two all-stars or you have once again, um, Shea, it's not a fluke. He's back-to-back first team all NBA, top five MVP voting. I'm going to go with the fact of the two all-stars because with, with, all NBA voting to me, the difference in being first team and second team is really just a couple of voters like deciding something. It's not necessarily like production value or play. So we don't know for sure that the play wouldn't or, or production necessarily go down. And I think that if he's second team all NBA, you could realistically see a path for him if he's still that good. That yes, his counting stats went down, but they went down because he has someone more productive next to him who's obviously. So I don't all star level in this scenario. So I'd much rather have, say, Chet Holmgren be a first year rookie all star because he's just feasting uh, and and filling in the gaps that were left behind by last year's team, where you saw how Chet could automatically be used by OKC this year. So given that nature of um, a second team All NBA, still great. Uh, I, I would say I would rather have the second All Star, but this is a great question just for the simple fact of having to deal with Twitter trolls who would like act like this is a huge Shea fluke, which. For my mental health, do I really want that? So, good question. Appreciate it. Clemente, how are you feeling on this? Uh, I think I would go with the second all-star just because, obviously, the goal of team building is to have as many good uh, players that you can. And um, that's ultimately what the funders are going to do. I think the more all-NBA type guys you have in your roster, the longer you extend your title window. So, um, I think I'll go around here and pick the uh, second option. We now would go to the contrarian, Derek Parker. 
<laughs> Should I zag, boys? Is it's, that what it's we're a, doing? No, I want your honest opinion. Honest opinion, yeah. I, I think they nailed it. I would go second all-star. I think finding the 1B, the 2A is is generally important. And like Ryland said, the difference in these first team and second team guys is not often that great. Like Shea could have very easily been second team last year despite playing with first team production. So I would go that. But the devil's advocate being Shea being first team and top five in MVP is going to keep him happy no matter where he is. So it's a good question. That and if he's top five MVP, first team All NBA, I think that kind of solidifies him in that top like ten conversation. And having a top mm-hmm. ten player in the NBA is one of the more important things you can have. And I think that you see a team like Dallas, even where they have Luca, and they could have maybe a lesser guy next to him, and Luca's not as good. And I don't know, you know, what's the best choice? But yeah, just throwing out some hypotheticals here. Back around the horn to Derek. What's your next? Would you rather? All right. Would you rather? Vasil Michich or Kaysen Wallace get more minutes next year. Rylan, you look, you look befuddled. Hit me. This is, this is tough. This is tough. Um, the Michich thing is going to be a exhausting ride uh, because he's already got a built in fan base. That's going to follow him and want him to be playing a lot. Want to be playing a ton of minutes. Uh, and then balancing the two will, will be huge for developmental purposes for Kaysen Wallace. I don't think that even though he's picked in the top 10, I don't think that the Thunder will be shy to allow Kaysen to play with the Blues some this year. Uh, they don't really look at that as the demotion that it appears on the surface to send a guy to the G League or like any sort of embarrassment to put guys in the G League. Uh, I, I think overall, in terms of winning basketball games, I would much rather play Mitrich more minutes because of what he can do for the second unit. At times last year, they looked a bit um, you know, stagnant or or overwhelmed offensively i think he brings a steadying hand offensively to allow you to sustain a lead or even allow you to not you know lose let go of the rope as mark would say so i i think that michich will provide you more this season and and he would deserve more minutes this season but case still a great option this is a very tough one i think it really just depends how much you value winning this upcoming season if you're looking if you're, if you're valuing winning and uh to the point where you're all about winning as many games as possible next year. Then you got to go with Michich just because he's the more ready guy. 29 years old, uh, former girl league MVP, one of the better international players before he joined the league as well. Um, but if you're still in quote unquote development mode, then I think Yaling Casey Wallace just because he's your most recent lottery pick. He showed flash in the summer league as well. He looks to be a very, uh, high floor, solid role player type of guy. Um, and if you can get him um, as many reps as possible with this current group of young guys early in his career, then that's just going to pay dividends in the future whenever this team is truly um, all hitting their strides together. I'll also say Kaysen. I think the long term of it and Michich obviously being a player coming from overseas where he's been an MVP before, he doesn't need the development time as much. And maybe he's just a guy you put less tread on the tires for. And he's, I don't think he's going to be super upset about that if he's getting like starter quality minutes, like quality over quantity. But yeah, I'll say case Derek, how do you feel about your own question here? Yeah, I'll say case as well as, as a self-proclaimed case guy, both pre and post draft. I, I think he's going to be a huge part to this team moving forward. I lean him, but on the flip side of that coin, if Mitchich is really outplaying the 10th pick in the draft, I think that probably means he's pretty dang good. So 
it, it's a toss up. Clemente, back to you. What do you what do you have for us? All right, this one's cheating a little bit because it doesn't really pertain to the season, and the answer of it probably won't be found out for several years. But um, would you rather be guaranteed a third Shea contract or Chet Holmgren being mostly healthy throughout his entire tenure tenure in OKC, which is likely at least through this rookie deal and a rookie extension? So like a baseline, like 75% of games played, something like that? Yeah, 75% uh, games for sure. Um, Nothing super serious, um, but yeah. So I love Chet Holmgren. I want to preface this, but to me, I didn't even hesitate to say Shea. Just seeing another star like him, if if you can guarantee me, I should say this, if you can guarantee me he'll sign again with OKC. But not only do that, but like he's not going to do the whole like, oh, I'll sign and I'll get traded the next year. I'm going to get my money right now and then leave. But if you guarantee me that he's committed to OKC and that, that signature on the contract is a example of him being committed to OKC, I would take him 10 times out of 10, not to discredit Chet Holmgren or his ceiling or anything, but by the nature of, I think Shea's game will age well. I think that Shea is one of the easiest superstars to build around. He doesn't pigeonhole you into playing any certain style. And, and he he can change his, his stripes based on what you need him to do, based on whoever you uh, bring in. So it doesn't limit you in drafting who you think the best player is. It doesn't limit you in trading for who you think the best player is. He can fit with so many different guys. But if you guarantee me a, a, a superstar will stay here in OKC, I'm going to take that, especially think whenever he's so easy to build around like Shea. I'm going to personally lean optimism here and that the franchise has already done a good job on the legwork of another contract with Shea, proving that they want him here, proving that he can be the guy on their team. And I'm going to lean the Chet Holmgren route because I think if he's healthy, he's a phenomenal player. One of the best draftees in the last five-ish years. I'm going to Again, lean optimism that they're already re-signing Shea in my perfect future. And then uh, I'm going to lean healthy Chet Holmgren. I'm also going to go with Chet. I think that if he's healthy, that provides a happy Shea. I think he can um, cover up for him on the back end and play defense. And I think that he'd be a pretty good one-two combo. Um, Shea, of course, you'd love to have him around. You want that third contract. But I think that in a way you could have your cake and eat it too. If Chet is healthy and playing at the level, we all think that he can. And I think that would be an even bigger reason and selling point. The thunder could have the Shea when it is time for that contract. I'll, uh, I'll remember to uh, listen to the spot again in uh, 2027 here. <laughs> yeah. Hey Siri, set an alarm for five years from now. Okay. Uh, Rylan, are you up next? That's right. I am up next. And since Clemente, my good personal friend, Clemente, has already blurred the lines. You're all my good personal friends, but since Clemente's already blurred the lines on here, he's he's thrown me a life preserver to get my next question in. I want to say for the fans, we're not we're not diminishing anyone with this question. The, I want you to explain your answer as in why you chose this this answer because to me, this isn't saying that the other person will be a bust. It's just saying if I could guarantee you that either Josh Giddy or Jalen Williams will hit their one of one ceiling. Who would you rather hit the button and guarantee they're going to hit their one-on-one ceiling? The next guy still might, but you're going to guarantee it for this guy, Josh Giddy or J-Dub. I think, again, not to discredit the other one, I think for me, Josh Giddy's one-of-one ceiling is one of the best players in the entire league. Not to say that, that Jalen Williams at his ceiling isn't too, but Josh Giddy's 
combination of length, passing, scoring, if he can hit that ceiling as a shooter, if he can manage to get his defense on a, a good developmental track, I think he is going to be some iteration. If he was to hit his one of one ceiling, like 25, nine and eight on a nightly basis, like that would be incredible. That would be what I opt for. Clemente, you got next. I think I got to go with, you know, like you guys said, this isn't to discredit either of these guys. I'm sure both of them are going to are, are gonna be long-term fits for OKC, if not the league, at the minimum. But I think I'll go with J-Dub just because his prototype of player is just easier to build around. He, can, um, he becomes an all-NBA, all-star type of wing. Uh, he makes it, that, it makes it that much easier to build around him. You don't really have to, uh, not trying to, like, you know, discredit did or anything, but he's a little bit more harder of a player to build around just because of the shooting limitations and all that. Plus the fact you already have Shea on the roster as the main ball handler. And with J-Dub, at least as we saw last season, he, he's one of the better off-ball players on the team already. So I think I go with J, uh, or J-Dub um, with this answer. But uh, yeah, it's a tough one for sure. I'll go with Josh also. I like Derek's case. But yeah, if he maxes out and he can shoot at a nice level, and we're talking about top 1% outcome. So everything works out. Is he like smaller Jokic in a lot of ways where you have the passing, you have the post-up game, can do a lot of these things. He's not a great defender, but he's passable shooting the ball. There's no wrong answer here between these two guys, but just Josh Giddy hitting shots off the dribble from three, I think is insanely tempting. And J-Dub, yeah, if he hits his ceiling, I don't even know what player to really compare him to. Would he be better Jalen Brown or something like that? But I'm I'm interested to see what Rylan says as the, the architect of this question. Yeah. So uh, I got to admit my bias on the front end. I'm very biased toward J-Dub, but he, he, even I will admit that in my world, a Josh Giddy one of one ceiling means that he is an excellent team defender. Not, still not a good point of attack guy. I'll, I'll concede that, but an excellent team defender uh, and a great rebounder, best passer in the league. And if he's shooting league average from three, if you can guarantee me he'll shoot league average at his top 1%, then I'd pick Josh Giddy because for as much as people worry about him in SGA, no matter what happens in Josh Giddy's career, one of one ceiling or not, he needs SGA or a guy like that next to him. So I don't worry about their pairing together because there's no world where Josh Giddy runs a successful team where he's not accompanied by a bucket getter like SGA. So they're, they've made it work and they've progressed with each other month to month and each game they've gotten better as a duo. So I don't worry about that duo at all. I don't worry about uh, the contract of the roster. If you can guarantee me he's going to be a league average shooter uh, and of course he's going to continue to progress as a rim finisher and taking mismatches to the post as he did last uh, season uh, at the end of the last season, then I, I think that is one of one ceiling as a very special player. So is Jada because Jada can be this switchable one through force in a pinch one through five defender at an extremely high level. One of the best cutters in the NBA, one of the top rim finishers in the NBA, uh, and if he can progress his three-point shooting at a sustainable clip, uh, he'd be great too. Two and amazing great options. But if you can promise me that Josh Giddey is one of them ceiling, uh, I would I would I would lean him uh, for the sake of this argument. I like it. I'm next up here. These two guys were mentioned a different question, but I'm I'm framing it differently. Would you rather have Case and Wallace or Vasily Micic make first team All Rookie next season? Just Chet is out of the equation. It doesn't, you know, he makes it, he doesn't. We're not accounting for that. Just one of these two to make first team, who would you rather have? To me, it's Gason Wallace. I, I, I think that in order for him to make first team all NBA, it would take him being an immediate 
net positive and a you know one of the best defensive rookies we've seen. Uh, just frankly, because because rookies typically don't defend at a high clip. It take him be one of the best rookie defenders we've ever seen. It take him being a a thirty eight to forty percent shooter from three uh, and, and bring that versatility offensively to play on and off ball. If he's able to be first team NBA with Scoo and all these other guards and everything else, and of course I think that they've made that positionless now. But still, one of the five best rookies in a, in a good draft class that I like a lot. Uh, I would consider that to be a massive win for OKC. The level to get there for what it would take for Kaysen to do it versus what it would take for Mitchich to do it. I think that the, what Kaysen does is simply more impactful than what Mitchich does for the, this Thunder team. Yeah, I think I'll go with uh, Kaysen as well. I mean, if Mitchich makes uh, the offers rookie team, that would be a cool story. But you know, like I referenced earlier, like he's already he's already 29 years old. He's gonna be 30 in January. He's only signed for three seasons, um, so I just don't really know how much that would really benefit OKC in the long run. But for Kaysen, I mean, he's, he's what 21 20, or 21, 22 years old. Uh, gonna be under team contract for at least probably eight seasons. Um, and really, if he makes if he makes the all rookie first team, that's just another great sign that OKC just continues to develop and draft really well. And he fits the timeline more easier than someone like Mitchich does with this current course. So I'll go with Kaysen. I again self-proclaimed Kaysen Wallace fan. I think Mitchich is interesting in this scenario because if he makes that team, he's obviously very immediately good and impactful. I think that blossoms his value on the market a lot. And I think you wouldn't necessarily dock Kaysen for not making that team being the fourth or fifth guard in this rotation. He has a lot of time to develop. I think that means Mitchich came in, made an impact, is great, either a great piece or or great value on the market from there. And Kaysen still got like like Clemente said, seven years on his contract to develop into a great player. I kind of lean Mitchich on this one. Yeah, there's no wrong answer here. It's just, I mean, both would be great. Mitchich, like you mentioned, Derek, if he does it, that means he's hitting the gates fast. I don't know if there's really a bias in terms of all rookie voting against older guys. Uh, and then for Kaysen, if he's all rookie first team, that means he hit the ground running and just at a full sprint immediately. And that means you probably have a guy in your hands, but if Micic is first team all rookie, I don't remember the last time to be that age and be all rookie first team, but I think you've got a really nice, one of the best backup guards in the league, probably. Derek, back to you. I know you have some uh, unhinged ones you wanted to pop off later. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got one more regular and then we can uh, we can move on to the unhinged. But would you rather... The defense or offense improved by five rankings. Uh, for reference, last year they were 13th in defensive rating and 16th in offensive rating. So, would you rather them jump to eighth in defensive rating or 11th in offensive rating? Is this um, assuming they'd maintain the other one from last year, roughly? Yeah, roughly. Rylan, how are you feeling? Yeah, to me, it's the defense because. I, I think that they can be a top 10 defense in general this, this season. But if you guarantee me a, a top eight defense in the NBA with the way this team likes to play offense anyway, which is transition third and league and pace to be better defensively, you're going to create turnovers. You're going to get rebounds. You're going to, you're going to end possessions and get on the break. And this team will thrive on the break. Every player on the floor at all times will be really good in transition, uh, except for the two minutes that those protons could get. So uh, I, I think that that automatically uh, rises the tide for the offense and and it allows you to hyper fixate and improve on what 
you're already really good at. And so to be bring that level from good to elite uh, would just help this team overall, and it would translate into their their offense for me. Yeah, I think I'll go with the uh, offense for sure because I'm just a big believer that um, offense is just a much more sustainable uh, role plan in terms of just long-term success. Um, and if OKC has a top, was well, a top 11 offense with the roster that they have, I mean, it just goes to show that several other guys are developing um, and improving um, at a rapid pace. And if that's the case, then you just got to be, uh, it's going to be exciting to see uh, that, you know, this young core is just continuing to develop. And uh, it seems like that all of the uh, guys that matter are just taking steps in the right direction. So I think I'll go with the offense for this one. I'll go with Rylan and go with defense. I think that if you have a top eight defense, it it's kind of reminiscent and people forget of those original Thunder teams that their calling card initially was defending and just being wild men, just going out there with a lot of length and athleticism. And that's going to create more possessions offensively. And if you give Josh and Shea more offensive possessions, I believe in those guys to convert to great offense. It might not be to the top 10 level, but I think it's still going to be pretty good. Derek, how do you feel? Yeah, it's really close for me. Honestly, I lean offense. Number one, more fun. Uh, two, I think it would mean that they found earlier, like I said, a one B, maybe a two, a guy. If they jump to that type of offense, it would mean Giddy took another leap. J dub takes a potential leap. Maybe Chet Holmgren is much better initially than we anticipated. And then I don't think Dagnot will allow for a bad defense necessarily. Like there's always going to be the things that you all talked about effort length. Those things are going to translate regardless of what the technical ranking is. And then you know me, baby. I'm always looking for that like Texas Tech, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield game, like 70 to, to 70. Give me the offense. That's not good in basketball, but that is, that is <laughs> great in college football. E- equated, well, let's say like 160 to 160 in basketball. Definitely. All right, next up, Clemente, what do you have for us? All right, so um, in terms of just offensive role, would you rather see a more aggressive Usman Jang? or a more passive Lou Dort? I'm going to say more passive Lou Dort. Not to take a shot at Lou Dort, but I just guarantee that that impacts the, the, the team more. Uh, with with Mark, uh, yes, getting Usman Jang minutes will be a priority, and, and they're going to still focus on that uh, this season. They're going to play 10 to 12 guys a night, and they're not going to throw away development as much as everyone wants to hit the go button, and everybody wants to see this team uh, go all in this year. They're not going to do that. They're going to focus on development still, but – no matter what they focus on, Lou Dort will be on the court more than Usman Jang. And so him making smarter decisions uh, and improving upon that uh, will allow the team to get better and to be better. And Mark even highlighted that those two, uh, the, the two players specifically of Lou Dort and J-Dub of, you know, Lou Dort's on the extreme side of the number line of being way too aggressive and J-Dub's on the other side of being too passive. And so you want to inch both of those to the middle. And this would inch Lou Dort closer to the middle and help this team get a lot better. So I'd say Lou Dort just purely based on uh, who would impact this team more uh, long-term. You, you could obviously make the argument for Usman Jang for sure. Yeah, I think I lean Lou Dort as well. Not knocking Dort's shot selection or anything like that. I don't think people would quite like the idea of an aggressive Usman Jang as much as in theory. Like, Aggressive with the ball in hands, great. But is his role on this Thunder team five years from now going to be an aggressive score necessarily? I don't think so. Is it going to be someone who capitalizes on opportunities? 
knocks down shots, plays hard defense? Absolutely. But is he going to be a guy who's going out there with the ball in hands, taking it out of the hands of people like Shea, Josh, J-Dub? I don't think so. So I'll, I'll lean Dort. I'll go with Dort as well. I think that would help them. Like you mentioned, Derek, that it would help to have Jang be a little bit more assertive offensively. But with Lou, I know you said you weren't going to question his shot selection. I will to a degree. And I think that him being a little uh, less, uh, him being more risk averse on some of those drives where he goes with those up and unders that look like a horse shot or some of those threes that kind of like hit his hand or immediately going up. I think if you can just kind of lessen a few of those, I feel like that would make him a much better player and much more efficient and it would help your offense. But yeah, Jang for sure would be fun ideally, but like Derek said, you don't want the ball taken out of um, those guys' hands. Now, does your guys' answer change if I substitute Jang for Jada? Oh, Ryland, we're going back around the horn to you. As in, as in like, I don't want Jada to be any more passive at all. I want Jada to no, be he's more, more aggressive. He's more okay. aggressive, he's more aggressive and Dort is more, more passive. passive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd love that. I, I would absolutely rather have that happen. I need Jada to be more aggressive. I, I would even sacrifice some of Dub's efficiency for uh, more more aggression offensively. I, I, I think that, that would work perfectly for the center team. I'd have to agree um, with that. Oh, go ahead. You got it first. Yeah, I think... I don't know. Do do we? I I genuinely am curious. Do we think Dub was passive, or was it just he was a rookie coming in? Are we getting like the last thirty games? Is he even more aggressive than that, or is that pretty much maintained throughout the season? Yeah. So I think that the way I was I was describing it, uh, like on my show, was that like it's not as though Jadab is a, is passive or scared or floating out there. It's just that he's always making the right decision and the right basketball play. Whenever generating a great shot for Lou Dort, no offense to Lou Dort, is not better than J-Dub shooting a good shot. So like, I'd rather have J-Dub's good shot than his passing to, even whenever he's with the bench unit, like passing to, you know, just insert bench player here. I'd rather have a, a good J-Dub shot than a great shot from anybody else. Uh, a lot of the lineups he's on the floor with. So I, I would say being more willing to take the good versus looking for the great from somebody else. Clement okay. has had some juicy questions here, but go ahead, Derek. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like your explanation, Rylan. I lean, I lean J-Dub then. I think the sky's the limit for that kid. He's going to be a phenomenal two-way player for the foreseeable future. I'll, I'll switch my answer. I'm going to go with J-Dub as well. I feel like Chet is not a guy who you're gonna, who's going to really complain about getting a ton of shots, and Josh definitely isn't that way either. So someone else is going to have to take a lot of shots other than Shea, and I would rather it be Dub than Dort or anyone else. And like Rylan said, it's just he was – he looked very conscious to make the right play. And sometimes the right play is to be selfish in some different situations, but very good question. Rylan, back to you. What do you, what do you have for us? Chet Holmgren deferred to Drew Timmy. And I'll say all the offense to Drew Timmy. Nice guy, but like not good in, in terms of, uh, in terms of basketball in the NBA landscape. But nonetheless, I'm ready to get these unhinged ones. Cause I have a few of them as well as Derek does, but we'll, we'll keep it serious this time until I get let go of the leash. It, now, this is all about your opinion, so don't factor in with what they're going to do. I'm saying if, if Mark came to you and asked you and said, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do right here for the rest of the season, would you rather him play Aaron Wiggins every single night as being a staple of the rotation or have Kenny Hustle be a staple of that rotation every single night? I lean Kenny Hustle just based off the abundance of guards, I think. No no offense to Aaron Wiggins. I hope we get both every night, but 
I think the forward position is a little more needed. The free throw numbers deter me a tad bit, but I'm going to finalize my answer. Kenny Hustle. It's a little unfair to say this, but I think it feels like, well, it feels like the Thunder have more invested in Kendrick Williams. He signed on to uh, the team into the 2027 season. So if Kendrick Williams is a higher priority, Brokers, Eden, Wiggins, which who knows if that's the case. Wiggins is going to rookie still deal and all that. Um, I, I think I'll go Kendrick uh, for this answer just because it seems like he's probably more of a long-term piece than someone like Williams, even though I really do like Wiggins, man. Um, I really think both of these guys have a really good shot at being with the Thunder for, for multiple seasons. Okay, so Aaron Wiggins or Kendrick Williams staple the rotation. I feel like it would be disingenuous and off-brand for me to say anyone but Aaron Wiggins. I feel like I've been on the train for way too long to jump off now, even if there's a small part of me that wants Kendrick as a staple because he was really good last year as, as a small ball five, but Aaron Wiggins, I, I just can't get enough. And Rylan, I think, can piggyback off this as like one of the other biggest Aaron Wiggins apologists on the beat. I think that there's only one subject matter that we've texted about more than Aaron Wiggins, and we'll leave that for another day. But the Wiggins subject matter we text about frequently, and uh, I love Wiggins. I will say I love your answer simply because it means that I did not get swept, and the only person to get swept in part one is Clemente. So he owes us all a Starbucks cup of coffee, which is about 30 bucks for the four of us. So sorry, Clemente, but you're out like 30 bucks now. Inflation, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from with with. Kenny Hustle, especially because of Mark, of like, we know that Mark is willing to give you different looks. And the fact that you can have Kenny at that effective small ball five and, and play that role really effectively, it just gives you yet another thing that the other team has to prepare for uh, that, that'll make life hard. So I, I get the I get the Kenny Hustle love for sure. These are two guys that are absolutely fan favorites and should be both in the rotation. These are some great questions, but we're going to wrap it up here and get to part two for the the unhinged version. I know that Derek has been for months prepping for this, even before it was an idea in my head. He had these questions ready, but thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Thank you all for joining me today. The, the core young Thunder four of Thunder Media here. And um, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, or get your podcasts. And uh, I will catch you in part two. 